Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Tech Show. I'm your host, John Meyer, and this week we're talking with public cloud leaders and experts from cost optimization to data visualization, including enterprise podcasters and even CTO advisors. Also, don't forget those cloud tamers around their thoughts on multi-cloud solutions. Stick around because you're going to want to hear what they have to say on multi-cloud and is it really worth it? Are enterprise companies investing in multiple cloud solutions for fear of vendor lock? What about training or hiring jack-of-all-trades? And in this case, jack-of-all-clouds. And is multi-cloud more hassle than it's worth or are there benefits of it? If you enjoyed the Daily Tech Show, don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and the notification. Also, comment down below on what you think. First, let's give the Google definition on multi-cloud. Multi-cloud is the use of multiple cloud computing and storage services in a single architecture. This also refers to the distribution of cloud assets, software, applications, etc., across several cloud hosting environments. Now, how about we hear from public cloud experts and leaders on their thoughts on multi-cloud? Kicking off our week-long series on multi-cloud and joining us from his current road trip is none other than the creator of CTO Advisor, Keith Townsend. Let's welcome Keith to the show. Keith, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, so Keith, I know you're currently on a road trip. How about we give a little bit of backstory about yourself and where you're currently at and your road trip? So IT management consultant or technology management consultant with uh, 20 plus years of experience. Uh, me and the wife are embarking on a road trip around the country, talking to folks about everything from everyday life to hybrid IT infrastructure and multi-cloud. We're currently in, I'm looking out the window, checks window. We're in uh, Galveston, Texas, right? And if you're following the CTO advisor road trip, we're in Houston. <laughs> so Keith, I am actually following it. I noticed that you do have your map now on your RV. And as many times as you have posted, uh, you've hit a number of states here on the East Coast and you're starting to spread out. Yeah, the the states get a little bigger as we go west. You know, Texas is about as big as it gets. So the number of cities are winding down. Uh, California is the next big stop, then Seattle, and then Colorado, and then home. So we'll have to uh, probably hit the road again next year to hit all of the Midwest. Yeah, now it, this is just a 90-day road trip, correct? This is just a 90-day road trip, so All 15 right. cities in 90 days. Wow. I'll tell you what. You guys are doing an awesome job out there. I love following you along, your post on Twitter. I see everything on LinkedIn. Keep it up. You're doing an awesome job. Thanks a lot, John. All right. So, Keith, the reason you're on the show today is because you have a lot of experience, and obviously the role of CTO advisor says uh, so much about you. I want to hear your thoughts on what do you think multi-cloud means to you and does it really exist successfully? So I have a very unpop unpopular opinion of multi-cloud. I believe if you have multiple cloud providers, at least per, from the purview that I see, which is the CTO responsible for all of the technologies inside of an enterprise, if you have multiple cloud uh service providers, whether they're SaaS or IaaS or PaaS, you have multi-cloud. That's my definition, which is pretty unpopular. Interesting. So would you say that companies are implementing it correctly and is it very successful or what are you seeing out there? 
So the answer to that question is yes. So the companies are implementing it. Are they implemented successfully? Not, not, not so in so many cases and so in some cases. So let's, let's define the other definition of multi-cloud that's out there too and, and whether or not if that's successful. The other definition of multi-cloud is where I take a application and I spread my data across multiple clouds, my workloads across multiple clouds. Let's say that it's SAP and I have ECC in one cloud and then I have my data warehouse in another cloud and I'm deploying that across multiple clouds. Have I seen that be successful? The answer to that question is definitely not. Don't do that. Like, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> then there's other extremes, there's less extremes where I have VMware vSphere and I'm deploying uh, VMware Cloud on AWS and Microsoft Azure VMware solution and I'm running my VMware landscape across multiple clouds, including my infrastructure. That's also successful. But the, the ideal of using the same application across multiple clouds, not so much. All right, so you actually did the definition that I just read to everybody, which is the Google definition of multi, multiple cloud providers. When I hear multiple cloud providers, I hear AWS and Azure. Now there's GCP and there's others out there. Are you seeing other, you know, implementations tried across GCP and AWS, GCP and Azure? Or are you just seeing, when you say multiple cloud, I have my private cloud and AWS, which is traditionally out there utilizing both. What are you seeing out there? So I'm seeing both. Uh, and there's a couple of different drivers. There's the technology driver, and then there's the, uh, the political or licensing or cost driver. Let's say that I'm a big Oracle customer. Oracle a few years ago uh, with their combining their ELA for their your database software kind of forced you into buying some of their cloud services. And you have these cloud uh, uh, credits and this happens in Azure too, but your primary cloud may be AWS. So you're trying to figure out how to use these cloud credits that you have in Oracle Cloud or Azure and use your primary cloud, which for most people is AWS. I see that cross-pollination all the time. Whether or not I'm actually using data across those two clouds or operationally, I uh, have the connectivity between the on-prem systems, the public cloud and the two public cloud providers. There's extremes in both directions. Now you mentioned and talked about a couple of things. One, the different services that are available that might be unique to my application or my company. But you also mentioned credits and you know what is being basically given out there. Hey, we want you to come into our cloud. Here's some credits to utilize it. Are, it does that also go in hand with the concern of, of vendor lock? Like vendor lock does exist, but doesn't really exist. I mean, come on, you're going towards one cloud. You're utilizing the services. So I guess my question for you is, is it really driven not only by credits, but also for fear of licensing or vendor lock? So, yes, the answer is kind of two, twofold. And this is an argument that I get into with uh, CTOs, VP of infrastructures, et cetera. They do not like vendor lock at the level that you're looking at it because they've looked at storage, compute, networking and they've diversified that within their data center 
especially on the networking side. And a lot of this cloud spin ends up in either the network group or the, or the server group. And they've been able to avoid lock-in from, from, from their lens, and they believe in it definitely. So when they look at per public cloud service providers, they want that same desired uh, portability, which honestly doesn't exist today as a realistic option. I, I absolutely do not recommend uh, vendor diversity or vendor lock-in as a reason to go with multiple clouds. The driver for multiple clouds are very different than the driver for going to the public cloud itself. I, I agree with you on that because the driver back then on going with a storage solution was obviously licensing and discount. And, you know, I would say back in the day, you did have that vendor lock where you're utilizing a certain platform. But from what you said, and, you know, I really like watching your show and following you along on how you really present a lot of the information to CTOs is that why are you using this service? Why are you going to this cloud? Why are you using this on premise? Why are you using that? What are your driving factors? You know, licensing, yeah, that's a driving factor in some cases, but does it get, provide you a better, you know, storage solution? Does it provide you a better cloud solution? Or are you looking for certain, you know, benefits from one cloud provider to the next? Exactly. You know, is it helping you do more with less, which is the driver of most of the folks who listen to shows like this? I, uh, enterprise IT is additive. Uh, I've had this argument when HCI first uh, came onto the scene. I have not seen a large enterprise abandon their three-tier storage and application and data center architecture to go all HCI. They add HCI to their extending set of portfolios. Now do they not only have their NetApp, Fowler, and their HCI system to manage, they also have public cloud on top of that. So the portfolio continues to grow. If you're going to add public cloud to your portfolio, it's because it's solving a problem that allows you to do things you cannot do in your private data center that has value and therefore lock-in is not as big of a concern because I'm doing something that I couldn't otherwise do without cloud. Now you said adding uh, you know, a public cloud to the portfolio. If I have multi-cloud, not only do I have to, what's your thoughts actually on you know, training? So I have a, you know, somebody on premise, now I got to train them for you know, say AWS. Now I have multiple cloud solution, now I have Azure. If you're adding AWS and Azure to your portfolio, how does it affect your employees? Are you hiring more? Or are you trying to generalize an employee, you know, somebody on premise to just both, you know, cloud providers? How's that really affecting that? Yeah, you, you, you again, something you don't necessarily want to do unless you have to do it. Let me give you a very practical example. We did a study comparing all the VMware cloud uh, providers from the hyperscalers of the day. The one hyperscaler we excluded was Azure because their solution wasn't generally available yet. But you had AWS, uh, Oracle Cloud, who uh, sponsored the study, and then Google. All three were vSphere on the covers. When I went to go create a VM, 
the experience was the same across all three providers. It was vSphere. It was basically an application that ran in the public cloud. Where it became difficult and where I added friction for my engineers when I said, you know what, expose the VDI portal to the public internet. Three different ways to do it in three different cloud providers and multiple ways of troubleshooting each one. So even when I take a single platform such as vSphere and paint over the public cloud, training became an issue even for my small team because they had to go back and learn how to do it for each public cloud. Now you have three SOPs for the same process across multiple cloud and you know it's definitely a learning curve because just imagine a three-tier architecture right and i want to de deploy it out using you know a template like terraform the syntax and everything is completely different from one developer or one engineer to the next and now multitasking is not a thing there are very few people who can multitask so now you have to change your brain into okay how do i write this terraform for aws how do i write it for azure you know and or troubleshoot it or you know kind of going in there and now i need a specific engineer for it i think i don't think it's possible to have an expert in both clouds to the level that you need for an enterprise company yeah and this is a, a decision that cios ctos and it leaders have to make how much value is there in having someone who really knows aws or really knows azure versus somebody who knows a little bit about each and knowing that you still have to take your smartest people and dedicate them to some of the old legacy stuff and this yep. is where i'm seeing folks getting hung up at is that my i only have so many smartest people like my top 20 percent is only my top 20 percent and i can only put them on so many problems and is the problem that i want them to solve multi-cloud mm, i don't know i i think if they invest in one cloud they're going to get their applications either migrated or utilize one cloud faster than they will on a multiple cloud solution uh not only just trying to communicate between all three or even four clouds depending on how they have it configured but the other thing on top of that is Think of the cost of the data transfer between each of those clouds. Uh, if you're passing a lot of data back and forth between them for your data lakes, for your SAP stuff, it's really gonna drive your cost way up rather than isolate it within one cloud. Do you, do you see that out there, like the cost uh, between them? Well, not just the cost, the complexity. Uh, oh yeah. People think, yeah. think, people think just because I can deploy a VPC with a couple of, clicks of a button, have multiple paths to in and out of AWS, that networking all of a sudden becomes easier in the public cloud. It doesn't. It becomes more complex because you're accounting for egress charges. Uh, the, is the path from EC2 in Virginia to uh, Azure location in Ohio is that closer than the uh, EC2 instance that's in, uh, that's in Ohio? The, so internetworking between uh, multiple cloud providers and latency becomes super complex because all things, this is not your network. 
uh, in the same sense of you're using AT&T, level three, et cetera, in your private data center, not the same networking paths, not the same level of complexity. It's much more complex and more difficult to manage on the uh, balance. Yeah, I, you know, so that's something that I don't think a lot take into accountability when they're thinking about multi-cloud. Here's a question for you. When you go into an enterprise and they're talking about doing in a multi-cloud solution, what kind of advice would you give to them? What would be like your elevator pitch of do or don't and what are the pros and cons and to really just drive that factor of is it worth it or not? So if they're... If they've made the decision and there's no turning back from the decision, if I can't deter them to not do multi-cloud, then it's about this focusing on the services you use and not necessarily application and portability. I.e., if I'm going to build functions as a service, application built, built on functions as a service, AWS Lambda, okay, that kind of makes sense. If I want uh, AI as a service, TensorFlow and Google make sense. If I want to simply lift and shift my VMware vSphere operations to the public cloud, then Oracle Cloud makes sense. If I want to consume VMware uh, vSphere as a uh, service, AWS uh, VMC on AWS makes more sense. So now it's just, you know, picking best or breeze and eliminating the complexity when it comes to data interoperability. It's fine if you want to use multiple cloud providers, but if you're talking about using the same data sets across multiple clouds, across uh, multiple services, oh, wow, you know what? Um, our friends at NetApp has, have solutions for you. But operationally speaking, avoid it if, if possible uh, and embrace a service by service, best in service approach versus uh, trying to make your, your data and services, redundant services available across multiple clouds. So Keith, your years of experience speak for itself and some of the things and the issues that you've seen uh, with enterprise companies and CTOs. Uh, so my last question here for you before we round this out, you know, have you seen customers go into obviously that multi-cloud, but what are some of those common mistakes that happen with multiple solutions that really that are not, uh, you know, kind of thought of upfront? Maybe you can give, you know, people are, they're already decided they're going to multiple cloud, but what are some of the common mistakes that they see, or maybe you can talk them out of it. What do you see out there? So data, data, data data. I can't tell you how much people fail in this area of planning. Just because you're using a SaaS service doesn't mean you no longer have the concerns around data protection, data management, data sovereignty, data, data privacy. All of those concerns exist in SaaS as they do in PaaS and infrastructure as a service, and you have less control and insights. The knobs you can turn to uh, administer and control SaaS data are different than the knobs you can turn to do that for IaaS data, but it's still the same types of data. 
that have the same compliance issues. So this is not even talking about the you know data protection or data uh, access. We're just talking about basic blocking and tackling. And you have to understand what your data policies are and how you're going to enforce and support those data policies across multiple providers, let alone allow multiple providers access to the data across multiple clouds. So get your data policy, get your data house in order first, and then you'll have clarity when it comes to designing multi-cloud data access and multi-cloud data services. That's really some awesome advice there on around your data because some of the things that I see or notice is they don't really take some of that into consideration. They'll just implement it and they'll be like, all right, man, now I need to lock this down that another cloud provider can only access X, Y, or Z. But I think it would be great in an upcoming series that I'm working on is around data, data security, data cost, uh, you know, optimizing your data, but data governance as well. So you touched on a, a bunch of those. So I really appreciate you leading into maybe my next week or the following week <laughs> series that I will be doing. And that was not planned, folks. Trust me, it was not. Uh, it's definitely a great topic. So Keith, before we end it, do you have anything you'd like to share with the audience? In general, it doesn't have to be multi-cloud, your road trip, whatever's on your mind. You know what? Uh, we've spent a lot of time and resources revamping the website for folks to be able to find our research uh, more often, we're throwing a lot of stuff into the CTO advisor hybrid infrastructure, a data center purpose built to simply tell the hybrid IT journey or this multi-cloud journey. To find those projects, go to uh, thectoadvisor.com forward slash projects, and you can see what we've done real life inside of a, a live running data center. Keith, I checked out your website. I do like the Ford F-150. And the F-150, or is it 250 on there? F it's really it's nice. F-250, yeah. F-250, really nice. I've got an F-150 myself, so that pops right out at me. <laughs> I, I really liked your <laughs> America's favorite truck. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, folks, this is not sponsored. We just love it. You know, it's our opinion. But uh, so, Keith, I really appreciate your time. Folks, before we end this, don't forget, this is a week-long series on multi-cloud. I have more public speakers, leaders, and experts join us. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and notification button. Keith, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I hope to see you on this again. Thanks so much, John. Uh, anytime. Yeah, all right. Hey, be safe out there. Have an excellent road trip, and I'll be sure to follow you along.